Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder of this winter did you get out and accomplish the task glers did you Huh? I had uh, I had kids that came out to help me today. Did your snowblower start? Uh, yes, it did. Uh, a little trouble, but it did. Uh, mine did too, but it wants to run with the choke about a third of the way out. I find that off-putting. Uh, well, I was properly do. drained, but that thing hasn't been run since, let's see, what is this? This is January 15th, and that thing probably got put away, I don't know, what, end of March last year? Uh, my son wondered why it didn't start right away and why the plume of smoke. Because when you, I, I think I drained that one, didn't I? Yes. All right. And then when you turn the gas on, it takes a while for the, even as small as that carburetor is, it takes a while for it to fill up. Mm-hmm. And then it should have started with a pop, like it was backfiring almost. Several. Yeah. And then boom, here we go. Are people sending me their comet uh, sightings just to rub it in, do you think, LT? I think that's the message I'm getting. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Joe, here's four pics I took about 5.16 p.m. The comet literally went below the horizon within a couple of minutes. I took it with a Canon Digital Rebel 6.1M pixel and used a 300-millimeter zoom lens. I did not have time to use the two-times tele-extender that would double the magnification. Huh? The pics can be used... For your desktop on your computer, I live in Watertown, Minnesota. Now, that that's that's taunting right there. In a lower spot, so that's why I went down so fast from your weather guy, Tornado Troy. And then here, uh, uh, Rob Zira right shot this with my crappy Sona 5 megapixel digital while you were up on the roof. I took this from Veterans Field, Minnetonka High School. It was much better in person. And then he enhanced the contrast through Photoshop. This one says, I heard you talking about Comet McNaught. I drove out on onto Lake Bemidji and listened to you while you were up on the studio roof. I hope that you saw the Comet. I did not. I saw it. It was neat. The Coast to Coast people were talking about the Comet on Tuesday. If it were not for your program, I would have missed the whole thing. Thanks again. Stan Gridnich listens on uh, AM 1360 KKBJ in Bemidji. Hello, Bemidji. It is 12 degrees colder weather moving in. Mm-hmm. Everything all right? Ready to go. It felt good to get out there and brush off the steps in the car today. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was bracing, wasn't it? Yeah. It's it, it, very gorgeous, too. It's a pretty clean snow. Light it'll and be fluffy. It'll be dirty by tomorrow, uh, but that's, that's life in an urban, sustainable core. You go up into the North Woods, and, and the snow remains white and pure and crystalline and just gorgeous. <laughs> 
Here in the city, it, it gets dirty. It mm-hmm. gets gray and covered with salt and dirt. Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do about it. Football playoffs uh, are done uh, leading up to the championship games, I mean. There were some exciting games. New England at Indianapolis will be the late game Sunday. Who do you and, like now? Uh, New Orleans at Chicago will be the early game. I like New Orleans, and I like Indianapolis. I, I wish Tony Dungy could uh, win the big one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm rooting for him. And the wild one on a very odd uh, wave off of a Chicago shootout goal. I have that later today. Do Manny, you? Another, uh, another, he had some incredible saves, including a Peter Piper. I love Peter Piper's. It wasn't as good as others, but... Uh, if I ran the National Hockey League, I would make sure all nets are microphoned. <laughs> it's a high, distinct sound. With, with the highest tech stuff I could get. Mm-hmm. So you could capture all the Peter Piper's. Mm-hmm. Ping! It's uh, Martin Luther King's day today. He would be 78, and uh, many things are closed. Uh, that was fortuitous given the uh, the morning rush hour might have been a little calmer uh, because so many people do not work today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I made a great move today. What? I had an appointment deep in Bloomington and uh, at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. and the uh, as I got around the airport and started going westbound, on uh, 494. Yes. It just it was just it stopped. It was it was just stopped. It wasn't in there. I read the signboard way up ahead. I could see crash at France Avenue. So I called the person I was supposed to see and said I'm not going to make it by nine. And they said make a move. I said I'm going to make a move, but I'm not even the 24th Avenue yet. And I I figured I had to get up to lindale or nicollet or something to get to get right. off legitimate no move. you can make a move at 24 i hesitate to give the move away but i'm going to because i am the mayor and i you have know, that they're going to be upset that know about the move already yeah you get off at 24th and you take american boulevard which uh which is uh, south of 494 and parallels it all the way out and what a make a move now granted you got stoplights but it was moving you were moving to the next stoplight, which was okay, and it was and 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 I caught most of them, so it worked out. Were well. you waving as you went by? Hey, no, remember no, me back no, at twenty four? No. <laughs> no, I didn't wave. Or okay. anything. No taunting. No, but what a great move that was! Mm-hmm. I would imagine that's widely known by people who must commute in that part of the Twin Cities on a daily basis, because uh, four ninety four has long since passed the point of no margin for error. Right. If there's a fender bender up near France, I hope that's all it was, by the way. If there's a fender bender up by France, it takes about two minutes for the traffic to stop moving at the airport. So make a moves are required. Well, Kenton? Yes, there, Joe. Mr. Mayor. Yes. I have a classic space management. This neighbor next door, I'm out there shoveling. The neighbor next door is a handicapped guy. He got in a motorcycle accident here a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. So he uh, was in a wheelchair, and now he's on crutches. And He's got this great big, huge four-wheel drive truck, uh, big tires on it. Well, he, he gets the snow off his truck, opens the door up, warms it up. And as I'm out there shoveling, it's like half an hour. He's back and forth, back and forth packing down the snow mm-hmm. in his where the the no uh the handicapped parking spot is where he parks. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely phenomenal watching this guy 
Making his space management. How classic of a Minnesotan. Yeah, and he, he was forced in, and that due to his physical condition is what you're right, suggesting. Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he compromised. Sure. He says, watch this. Uh, the snow trucks already went through, mm-hmm. and I've got this place where I've got to be able to get in my truck while walking through this with my crutches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he compromised and packed it all down. He's got great big, huge tires on this truck. You know, it's a big Chevy. Well, he did what he had to do. He Space management. Trouble. All right, thank you. Yep. Yeah, that was his version of space management. We had the uh, breakfast today in Minneapolis for a Martin Luther King, and we learned that racial justice still eludes America uh, after 44 years, almost 44 years after King gave his I Have a Dream speech, gaps between blacks and white persist particularly in the areas of income, education, and health care, said Rosalind Brock, vice chairwoman of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. I'd change the name of that organization, but that's just me. I can hear the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King from the grave asking this community the question, is anybody listening, does anybody care, said Brock, who spoke to about 2,000 people, at the 17th annual MLK Holiday Breakfast at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Problems include segregated public schools, large numbers of young blacks in prison, a failing health care system, and the scourge of drugs in poor neighborhoods. Brock said the nation is browning as immigration changes the racial makeup. And she said this has led to racist rhetoric cloaked in political commentary. Non-whites will outnumber whites in the United States within the next few decades. Forty-four years later, America still finds herself at midnight in the cold darkness of despair, grappling with the issues of racism, classism, sexism, and immigrantism. Huh? Brock said, 44 years later, the problem of race remains America's greatest moral dilemma. Elected officials, including Governor Tim Pawlenty and uh, U.S. Senators Norm Coleman and A.B. Klobuchar, were on hand to hear Brock criticize Minnesota's government for not spending more on schools. She said the priorities of schools versus prisons are out of whack. What gives you the best return on your tax dollar, education, or prison, she asked, drawing applause from the audience. She also noted that the state... Known for being healthy, has problems with health disparities that disproportionately affect minority groups. St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman and his Minneapolis counterpart R.T. Rybeck were also there. Our world has not yet come close to fulfilling his dream of true equality, Coleman said in a prepared statement issued before the event. We still live in a country of have and have not, divided along racial, ethnic, and economic lines. I'm reading this speech because uh, much of what I just... I just disagree with. King's memory was also celebrated at the event with a recitation of his dream speech, a prayer, and songs. The civil rights leader was assassinated April 4, 1968. We forget how young he was. He was only 39. Mm -hmm. His birthday became a national holiday in 1986. He taught us to hold our head high even when life's burdens had beaten us down, said Denise Holloman, a General Mills executive and the event's chairwoman. It was emceed, I believe, by uh, Robin Robinson from the Channel 9. She makes me very nervous. I know she does. I thought of you when I saw her. It was on in my house today. It frightens me. 
I'm very, uh, very, uh, very leery of her. Mm -hmm. She's very powerful. Gives me the willies. <laughs> but she likes you. I know, and I like her. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I oh, tend yeah. to go. Right. Right. It makes you nervous. Yeah, because she's she's very she's very powerful. The uh, the issue of spending money on schools in particular is. It was just it's such stereotypical rhetoric. Uh, this state spends more than half its budget on public education. We've been down this road a hundred times. I'm not going down it again today. Uh, there is no uh, evidence to suggest that money spent equals academic achievement. And I, I would like to think that if a Dr. Martin Luther King was saying anything from his grave, it would be, uh, I, I wish uh, young uh, black people would behave better, would, would stop using the language they use, would stop being so demeaning, would take advantage of this country's great strides made in race relations. I, I, I... I can't contest this woman. She is with the NAACP and knows more about it than I do. But as a cultural observation, uh, I, I don't for the life of me understand uh, why we keep buying this same song and dance year after year. When will we have a Martin Luther King holiday in which uh, respected black leaders celebrate the great strides and achievements made in this country. It, it may very well be that uh, uh, race remains America's greatest moral dilemma. I'm unequipped to suggest what might be a greater moral dilemma than that. Well, no, I'm not. I am equipped to suggest that I think a greater moral dilemma than the problem of race relations is the problem of behavior regardless of what race you are. I would say that that is a greater moral dilemma than what I am, uh, what I am to gather that uh, uh, this woman wishes me to understand. Rosalind Brock, uh, I think it's safe to say, would wish for me to read the story of her appearance at the breakfast and develop as my sensibility to it uh, the idea that uh, we're still locked into about 1956. And that is not my sensibility. When I read her remarks, I think, uh, gee, uh, Ms. Brock, I, I think you could have found something more positive to say here, something more than this this absolutely predictable uh, jargon that that quite literally suggests that that we have in America people who quite frankly need to to sell us on the idea that race relations is our greatest moral dilemma because race relations has become an industry and there there are people who would be uh, there are people who would be out of work uh, if we acknowledged just how far this country has come since April 4, 1968. My credit union was open today. 
in this building. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, think if this house is open, that house is open. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. So it's a house deal. This is our house. Okay. Loud and proud, baby. Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting bigger, and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in March, April, or May and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389, 800-967-3389, the Canopy Group. Pat, Pat knew him well. Tom Feely, long time, what's the university now, isn't it? St. Thomas University. Would have been CST at the time. He was the coach when I was there. and he's, uh, He had a 417-269 record at the college level. Seven MIAC conference titles, six regional national association of intercollegiate athletics titles, and he's in five different halls of fame. And the great line I remember, I wish I would have written it. I don't know who wrote it. Uh, Mrs. Feely, who uh, survives coach, uh, said she could always tell if he won or lost by the sound of the garage door. <laughs> so, so, uh, 269 times the coach beat the hell out of that door. <laughs> <laughs> Bob? Joe, good afternoon. Hi. I, I wanted understood that I'm not calling to deprecate Dr. King. In fact, I think very highly of the man. He was, uh, very a man with a lot of vision, kindness, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I do want to call concerning my real concern that some people are trying to put a guilt trip on us mm-hmm. over things of the past. And mm-hmm. remind listeners, like I th- think I did last year, slavery was never legal in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota lost about 5,000 of our soldiers in the Civil War from Minnesota, 25,000 went to the war. Mm-hmm. A lot of bloodshed. Mm-hmm. The United States only allowed slavery for 90 or so years. That's about the shortest history of slavery in any country in the world. Good. Except perhaps Canada. Mm-hmm. We sacrificed one of our best presidents to free the black people. Mm-hmm. Less than all, a half of all black folks living in our country now are not descendants of slaves. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of everyone else is not related to the slaveholders. Mm-hmm. And it's really time to think about what's gone well. That's what I said. I, I, I know there are problems, but gee, it would be nice on this day some year to hear uh, something that's not just this same old boilerplate rhetoric. They're trying to put a trip, a guilt trip, on the rest of us because we're Americans and we're proud of it. Slavery was actually legal before we got here among some 
of our Native American tribes. Well, it's it's a big hole in our fabric, let's not deny it, but it's been gone for a long time. And compared to the rest of the world, we have the cleanest record, Mm -hmm. and we should be proud of that, not hang our heads in guilt. I agree. Thank you. You have a good day. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I think that my remarks were diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that any reasonable soul, black or white, reads this, uh, reads remarks from seemingly a, the same cast of characters uh, every year on this particular day, and every year we hear the same admonishments. And it does suggest to me and I don't think it's an unreasonable conclusion. It, it suggests to me that in America, and that's the way we operate, we tend to turn these kinds of things into industries. And I I think that we ha- have succeeded. I think that uh, uh, racial disparity is uh, prolonged by, by uh, people who uh, have turned it into an industry. And and that there is there is a great deal to be uh, mined in the ongoing belief that uh, a, an extraordinary unfairness exists. And there are unfairnesses that exist. I just am no longer convinced they're extraordinary. And I think that it, I think we should be happy about that. And as I said, uh, I, I just was particular. My uh, my flags always go up with this this constant refrain to spend more on education. It, it is just a canard. It is just uh, uh, it's just utter nonsense. We spend billions and billions of dollars on education. Please provide me the evidence that money spent equals academic achievement. Garage Logic will be back in a moment. Here in the AM 1500 KSTP newsroom is John Hyde. Thank you, Joe. It is partly cloudy and 12 degrees. Authorities continue searching the water of Lake Tatanka near Waterville for the body of an 18-year-old who went through the ice last night while he was riding a snowmobile. The teen ice fishing with six friends when they decided to go snowmobile riding. Lake has large areas of open water. Tracks from a snowmobile were seen leading up to open water. Lesur County Sheriff David Glazinski says he's afraid they may be out here more this year. I have a feeling we're going to be out here again before a couple of weeks because people want to get out snowmobile and they may cut across on the lake and it very it's very uh, dangerous on lakes at this time. The victim's name has not yet been released. Since releasing three composite sketches last Friday, St. Paul police have been working around the clock following up on new leads in the search for a serial rapist. For the first time since the shooting death of Officer Jerry Vick in 2005, the department's 24-hour emergency operations center has been activated. Police spokesman Tom Walsh says they're busy. We've had uh, a number of calls from people who believe that they either saw or may know who this suspect is or have reason to believe that the suspect has been hiding in a, in a given location. Since Friday, the call center has received uh, received more than 200 new leads, but no arrests yet. Two top aides to Saddam Hussein have been hanged in Iraq. The official video of the hanging shows the former leader's half-brother lying headless below the gallows. Execution conducted on the same gallows where Saddam was hanged late last month. Hundreds of thousands of households in Missouri still without power because of a power uh, powerful winter storm that's being blamed for at least 
36 deaths across six states. The remains of the storm are in New England, where some ski areas are finally getting their first snowfall of the season. Meanwhile, here in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities, snowfall overnight varied a great deal. Southern suburbs like Farmington, Burnsville, and Prior Lake had six or more inches. Northern suburbs like Andover and Forest Lake had only two. Officially, both the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul had four inches of snow. Five Eyewitness News weather forecast, clear and cold. Five below overnight tonight, sunny and 12 tomorrow. Got uh, one traffic incident, I think, going on, Rook. Is that correct? Can you let us we know We do indeed. That? It is westbound 694, uh, right by Highway 10. There is a accident uh, blocking the left lane. Cars are squeaking by. So westbound 694, it's going to take you... A little bit extra time, so that might be slowing you down for the holiday drive home. All right, great. Thanks, Rick. Partly cloudy, 12 degrees at AM 1500 KSTP. 2,440,000 injured and 35,092 dead. Those are the National Safety Council injury facts from our nation's highways in 2015. Are you letting your emotions get the best of you? This isn't a Formula One race out here, people. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than statistics. These are your family members, friends, and neighbors. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Do you get anxious when you're driving? Not really any need to. Do you yell or honk at other drivers that make you angry? That's emotions taking over. Don't let your emotions take control. Do you uh, try to retaliate to even the score for another driver's actions? That'll never serve you any good. Stop it. The National Safety Council reports that aggressive driving plays a role in 56% of fatal crashes, and emotions cause the aggressive driving. Don't become a statistic. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Make it home safe tonight. Joe Suchere. I made an attempt to invite Will Steger on the show today, and all I got was the answering machine at the office for his website, which is called Global Warming 101. If, if Will, if you're out driving around and you're listening or you have people uh, who are listening, uh, feel free to call. The Star Tribune yesterday had a very big uh, layout on Will Steger's uh, global warming crusade. You know, I heard you talking about it before, and I did read it online, mm-hmm. and now I know what you were talking about. Well, I, I like this guy. I mean, yeah, I, have no, uh, I have no uh, I have no reason to be... Uh, picking any arguments with or picking a fight. I have arguments with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Will Steger, I, I like explorers. I like guys who take dog sleds to the North Pole. Right. and I admire what he's done. He's, a, uh, uh, he's an interesting guy. Good credentials. Well, he's got the... Cre- exploration. Well, he's got the exploration credentials, but... He really has become uh, an emotional apostle for this this issue. He is he is of the school that is predicting imminent imminent collapse, and cites uh, what he can demonstrate through his slideshows and whatever changes in the Arctic regions, and and he's going to go back and he's going to have an interactive website to show what's happening, and and I I read the whole piece. And then I went back and I read it all again because nothing was offered to me in the piece. It, is, uh, it takes up the entire middle of the front page of yesterday's paper. And then you turn to 16 and it takes up all of page 16 and all of page 17. 
with wonderful photographs, but mostly all copy. Then today I read it a third time. The whole thing, other than other than Will saying there's global warming, nothing was offered to me. Then it went into his background, which I find intriguing and fun. He and his brother really got into the Huck Finn thing. I can identify with that. It's great. Uh, I didn't know he was born in Matamidi, by the way. And then after mm-hmm. a year, nine kids, and then they moved to Richfield. Uh I wonder if other people read this. I can guarantee you the sensibility that I was expected to have was what a wonderful, crusading, uh, sincere human being Will Steger is. Okay, I buy that. I buy that. I buy it. He's a good guy. He's a crusading, heartfelt guy. But there's not one word in this and I don't think the Star Tribune's given this much ink to another topic in, in my memory over the last couple of years. This is as long a story as newspapers do these days. I did not find a paragraph of a plan other than uh, the famed Minnesota explorer has forsaken his solitary home in the North Woods, his refuge for decades. Now he's navigating crowded freeways and blitzing churches, schools, rotary clubs, any group willing to listen to his pleas to take the growing threat of global warming seriously and rethink how we live. That's it. Rethink how we live. I wanted him on the show to say, how do you want me to live? What do you want? How do you want people to live? And there are clues. When you get into Will's level, and I would call Will a real true believer. He's up there with mm-hmm. Gore. I, 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 in fact, I would trust Steger more than Gore, right. although Steger is making free copies available, too, of Gore's film. They're, they're, uh, they're in cahoots uh, ideologically, but I find Will a more appealing uh, character than, than Al Gore. There are clues, though, I think— uh, and short of being able to ask him himself, if you go to the website, for example, uh, it has these graphics uh, where you – and you invariably see these on a number of global warming uh, websites. You see these graphics of smokestacks emitting smoke into the air, which I, I think I can only deduce would suggest to me that by rethinking the way we live, we would really have to rethink the way we live. I, I would think that Steger might – uh, and I really, seriously, if people know how to reach him, would you have him call? I'm, I don't want to sit here and rip Steger. Let him have the airwaves. Uh, but there's no personal listing for him. He lives on a houseboat in St. Paul. And uh, then he, I guess he's on the road all day long talking to anybody who will talk to him. Let's change the way we live. What does he mean? Give me something to work with. Give me something to work with. You're an explorer. You've done some tough stuff. I'll hear you out. Give me five things. And it can't just be, well, you know, buy recycled paper and make sure you throw your aluminum cans. We're already all doing that. What do you want? Then there was another sensibility that was expected of me. I'll get to that in a moment. Steger, uh, 
He drives a rusting Toyota wagon with a missing hubcap and a radio he rarely uses, preferring silence. And I I would imagine that the sensibility that was anticipated of me to read such a paragraph would be, isn't he virtuous for disdaining his automobile? Mm-hmm. And then later in the story, we discover that he's he's bemused at the irony of all of the people who come to hear his message and cheer him and applaud his message and then climb back into their SUVs to go home. Well, a couple of points. And again, I tried to reach Will Steger today. Okay, he's he's got a he's got an open invitation to come on this show. And I'd like to hear just some exploration tales, if nothing else, huh? Uh, five will get you ten. That the SUVs that are driven away from the school halls by people who come to listen to them probably are running more efficiently than a beat up old Toyota with a missing hubcap. And it's wouldn't it have been a stronger message, uh, given Steger's credibility, given Steger's popularity, given his cachet with this topic, wouldn't it have sent a, a much stronger message to all of the euphorians who already believe in him anyway to read a paragraph that says, Steger drives an immaculately maintained 12, I don't know how old the car is. I'm, I'm gathering that it's old if it's rusty, all right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Okay. But wouldn't, and he's got money, so it's, it's not a question of money. But w- seri- I'm very serious when I say this. Wouldn't it have been more uplifting to read Steger drives an immaculately maintained Toyota station wagon with 97,000 miles on it and is immensely proud of its maintenance schedule? Wouldn't that be a better? That would be virtuous. There is nothing virtuous in in his disdain, his apparent disdain for the car. Yeah, the car would run. I mean, he he's he's a Pied Piper with every Subaru driving euphorian in Minnesota. He had a, he had a he has a wonderful opportunity. All right. Hello, Will. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? I'm really glad you called. Yeah, great. I heard you've been talking about me. Well, I've been, but not unkindly, Will. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I read the piece yesterday, and I came away with a, a really urgent question. Okay. How do you want me to live? Oh, uh, modernly. You know, with the newest technology, you know, save money on the technology, you know, by saving, you know, energy. You know, that's, that's the future. That's where it's going to go. Right. What about, how old is your car, Will? Uh, it's a 93. Okay, I was just saying, here, I want to I bounce something off you. Uh, the paragraph reads as follows. He drives a rusting Toyota wagon with a missing hubcap and a radio he rarely uses, preferring <laughs> silence. Okay, Will, correct me if I'm wrong, but the message I think I'm supposed to get there is that, that you're distancing yourself from automobile culture. Would that be a safe? No, no, not at all. I, I, I drive cars all the time. Uh, the message is that I don't buy new cars because mainly I can't afford them. And I, you know, for fifteen hundred dollars, it was a good buy. I get three miles to a gallon. All right, is it well maintained? It's fairly well maintained. Yeah. Okay, well that's good. That's good because what I thought would might have been a better message is, is to have read a paragraph that said, "Steger drives an immaculately maintained 1993 Toyota," thus sending the message to your uh, to your fans that automobile maintenance, in and of itself 
would be helpful in this crusade. Yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, good tires, uh, you know, air pressure up, all this. But, you know, when you're a person writing an article on you, you never have a, you, know, you don't have a choice of what they're saying. I didn't even know they were going to write about the car. But you're tr- absolutely true. Maintain automobiles. Air pressure in the tire will save you, tires alone it could save you a mile per gallon. You know, keeping within the range of the speed limit is a great way of saving miles and money. Will, is there a time in history that if you could wave a magic wand, you would take us back to? I, I, I'm, I, I feel very fortunate to be right here, right where we are, okay. right in this type of a situation. It's a very, very, very interesting time, I think, Joe, for everybody right now. And, again, the the reason I brought the topic up about 15 minutes ago was because I read the story three times, and other than Will Steger saying, change the way we live, I, 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 I found no offerings of examples of how I'm supposed to do that. Well, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things we can do. Anytime you uh, make a purchase or turn on a switch, you're making a decision, and and like the simple thing at home of uh, changing over to fluorescent lights, which will, by the way, save you a lot of money. Right. Uh, small, small items like that, or, or let's say, for example, uh, energy-efficient appliances. When next time you make an investment in appliance, right. uh, a little bit more expensive, but you know, in the long run, especially with, you know, energy prices are really low now, but we all know they're going to go up. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cars. When you make a next purchase on the car, I'm sure uh, you know when our gas goes back up to three three dollars a gallon. And not everybody can buy an Ford a Prius, but uh, you know, a lot of people like me would buy a used car. You know, the mileage, uh, keeping it well maintained. Uh, uh, you know, like little things like driving within the speed limit. There, there's a whole list, uh, n- number of books even written on small things that an average person could do. Can you, can you hold with me through this break? Sure, of course. All right, thank you. Will Steger's on the line. We'll be back shortly. Will Steger's on the line. Will, where'd we get you? Where are you? I'm at our office here um, in Minneapolis at 28th and uh, uh, right by Lake Street at the Green Institute. You got more speeches tonight, I bet. Uh, no, actually, I'm heading for the Arctic tomorrow morning. Oh, you are leaving tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. And tell us about that trip. Well, I'm, I'm actually going up for a month or uh, a week just to get the logistics, but we're, the expedition leaves uh, uh, mid-February up in Baffin Island, which is the eastern Canadian Arctic, and mm-hmm. uh, we're traveling with, uh, you know, it's, uh, the Eskimo hunters and some of our team and 40 dogs, four dog teams, uh, in a re- real remote areas where the, the um, these uh, villages live uh, pretty much off the land. You know, they get 80% of their food off the land, and global warming up there is really melting the ice down. Uh, their their uh, hunting season last year was reduced from eight months to four months, so we're going up to record, you know, what we're seeing and particularly get what the people, uh, what the villagers and the native people have to say about the changes that they're uh, witnessing. Can it be stopped? Uh, it could, it can be slowed down. I mean, uh, there, there, once carbon dioxide, the problem here is we're adding carbon dioxide into the atmosphere from the burning of fossil fuels. And carbon dioxide stays for almost 200 years, so it doesn't blow away. Uh, but we can reduce it if we get into the cleaner technologies like the, you know, the ethanols, the wind, and, and uh, this type of, uh, uh, is, this type of technology is very good for the economy. If we move in that direction, uh, we can slow it down probably to prevent the worst of the consequences. But if we continue to put carbon dioxide at the level we're doing now, uh, there's going to be really some very major problems if you're, you know, hunting, fishing. It's going to affect our economy down the line. But, but there is a lot of hope. We do have the technology at hand. We just have to uh, change our mindsets a little bit more and uh, kind of get in with this new type of the economy. I mean, there's a real positive glow on it in terms of the economy if we get in with it. But uh, 
But it, 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 I always have sensed a disconnect between those who predict imminent catastrophe, and yet the the solution is as simple as watching how you merely use electricity and gasoline. Yeah, the the, the solutions aren't that simple, of course. Uh, uh, unfortunately, there isn't one silver bullet. I mean, if you could just wave a wand and get away from this problem, it's it's not going to be that simple. There's uh, you know, there's 10,000 different things. It's, you know, it's, it's basically the, uh, in the next 10 or 15 years, we're going to be changing over the way we use energy. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of this is conservation and that, and that's, that's what we have to move into is, you know, conservation, new technologies. We should be going in that. Europe is, Europe is moving in that direction right now, and uh, that's where the rest of the world's moving because that's where the economy is and that's where you're going to save money on energy. Well, it, there's some isolated cases, but I've been in many, many areas of Europe, and I wouldn't trade their environmental condition for the what, what I see in Minnesota. Yeah, we're lucky in Minnesota to have all this open space and that. And, yeah, I wouldn't want to, in certain parts of the, especially Eastern Europe, uh, not, not a too cleanly area. We're no. very fortunate here to have a clean, clean environment because of the open spaces. How's winter up at your place in Ely? Uh, we, we had very, very warm. We finally got uh, cold weather back. We got 25 below two days ago, uh, but it was extremely warm. We haven't been able to really train dogs until the, uh, about 10 days ago, uh, which we've never never happened before. But then, then again, you know, you can't say one warm winter is global warming. I mean, you can't you can't pin a. You got to look at the overall uh, global rise of temperature, and you also have to look at the accumulation of the carbon dioxide level in the atmosphere. But the warming trend started before man was putting carbon dioxide into the air. Well, the warming trend that we are at now, as of the last, uh, well, especially the last 20 years. Uh, with the amount of carbon dioxide, we we have more carbon dioxide than we've had for millions of years, and uh, in the in the atmosphere. And and uh, when you add carbon dioxide, the Earth warms. And that never, you know, even 100 years ago, that wasn't disputed. Well, if the Earth didn't warm, wouldn't we still be covered in a glacier? Well, you know, there is there is nat- natural variability of about three degrees centigrade. Uh, you know, over the last. Uh, uh, almost a million years where we have records in the ice. And if you drop it three degrees, you get, uh, you know, two miles of ice on above Minnesota. And if you raise it three degrees, you get pretty much the weather right. that we had until now. But if you add... I'm, I'm coming up against a news break. Can we call you back? Sure, sure. Let's yeah. call Will back at the top of the next hour. We've got your number now. Okay, great. Yeah, all right, all right thank you. We'll be right... Oh, oh this okay. is the talk station. Will, call back. Maybe we don't have your number. Start her up. Now, live from St. Paul, the capital city of the state where nothing is allowed, it's the Joe Suchere Show. We getting Will back on the line, Will Steger? Leaves for the Arctic He's putting tomorrow. him on hold as we speak. This is great. Hello again, Will. Okay, yeah, I'm here, here, Joe. Could you take the same route today that you took in 86 to get to the North Pole? You know, it uh, would be pretty hard without flotation, although you could do it. But uh, the Arctic Ocean is really opening up. Most of the expeditions, or all of them actually, that do it right now, uh, bring flotation so they can swim across, or their canoes are sled. You know, their their sleds are canoes that they get across the lead that way. When you went in '86, you saw no warning signs. No, uh, not up in that area. I mean, we had like 60, 70 below. It was the same same type of situation that you probably had at the turn of the century. Well, then, how could it decline that fast in 20 years? Well, the, the, if you look at the chart of the carbon dioxide level of, of what's happened in the last 20 years, uh, it's just astounding. You know, I mean, something like this has never happened in 
the history of science in the last million years, and and it's from the um, how do you know, we how do we know that? Will it's a million years? We don't know. Well, there, there's other samples, but but you know you you can look at the culprit, and it's it's the rise of where it's coming from is uh, it's pretty logical. It's it's carbon dioxide from the burning of fossil fuels, and and you just look at the the global consumption of how that has increased in the last 20 years. It basically it follows that consumption line. Uh, straight up, it's off the natural variability. It's in a, we're in a norm now where we've, we we haven't been for scientists don't even know where. So the variability that we're used to um, is you know we're in a different theater. Could it be? I thought of this over the weekend. I read and reread the story. Could it be that that humans then, uh, not through disease, not through war, not through famine, that humans have uh, contrived their own extinction by merely being inventive? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think what you see is when you see the, the the rise of energy use and the rise of population, that's what's given us this peak of why we can support nine, whatever we are at now, seven billion people is because of the energy. So it's kind of, it's, it correlates together. And uh, and then the global warming brings on, uh, you know, more diseases, more droughts, more, you know, all this type of nasty type of stuff. And, and uh, you know, it comes down to changing our habits. I mean, not necessarily our habits, but the technology of, you know, how we do things. Well, I, I as much as I am not nearly as motivated or as concerned as you are, I am more than willing to apply new technology to the way I live. Yeah. I'm more than willing the next time a washer and dryer needs to be purchased that the most efficient one possible be purchased. Yep. I'm, I'm more than willing... To, uh, but I think aren't people instinctively of that nature? Uh, no, we are. We're not that way yet, but we're we're moving in that direction. I think. I think there's a lot, lot greater awareness uh, last year, and I think we're going to see an increase in in that direction. And I'm more than willing to. Uh, now you don't, you don't see imminent catastrophe. Uh, you know, humans will always adapt. But uh, what, what, you know, we what what could be at stake here? What my concern is is our economy. You know, our economy, long range. Uh, if we get in with the new technologies, I think we're going to be just fine. Which the bottom line on that in the United States is that we, we really need to get more self-sufficient in our energy, and, and we're really vulnerable relying on foreign governments for our energy. And that energy supply line could drop off at any time. But uh, the more self-sufficient we are, ethanol, wind, uh, uh, we're supporting our own people with our own industry. Uh, that's where we need to go. And, and the Midwest is, is set up really nicely to be self-reliant in the, in the future if we move in that direction. Well, ethanol is costly to produce. Uh, I, I admit that it would be fun to tell the Saudis that we no longer intend to buy any oil from you. <laughs> that would solve a couple of problems. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun because it would stop funding terrorism, for starters. Exactly. And two, uh, you know... It, Great for the corn farmers, but it hasn't reached a point yet where it's been cost-effective to uh, to introduce it to the market in great quantities. No, no, it's not. It's it's just at the very beginning. In fact, corn corn ethanol is is not the really, corn ethanol is a a bridging technology. It's a start. It uses too much water. But although each ethanol plant that's coming on on the line is using less and less market, but we move we need to move ethanol into uh, grass, you know, cellulose, organic cellulose space. Where you can grow on on poor poor soil, good for the local economy. But you know, all this is not going to help anything unless we get our car mileage up to in the future. You know, 80 to 120 miles per gallon. And that 20 miles per gallon 
it doesn't matter how much ethanol we're going to produce, we're not going to get anywhere. How do you reconcile the fact that we were covered in glaciers and now we're not? Yeah, it's just it's simply it's, it's, it's a change of the carbon dioxide level in the atmosphere. A natural cycle or a natural cycle in the last, uh, I mean, a five, ten billion, a million years. Uh, but we're off that natural cycle now. That's what, that's the problem. We, well, we, as recently as 13,000 years ago, glaciers still covered half of what is now Minnesota. Right. All right. right. And then they left. And what right. we have is the lakes and, and, and the landscape that we have. Man was not here then, and the men that were here, the humans that were here, they weren't using fossil fuels. Right. This is the, I gotta keep saying about the natural variability of uh, rise up and down of, you know, average temperature of three degrees centigrade. Uh, and this is a, a natural cycle that, you know, fluctuates back and forth. You can see this in records of the ice caps. At least you can go back almost a million years, and you can't go back. 10 million years, but you can go back a million years in our records, and, the, and, the, and we see, yes, the CO2 goes up and down, the ice ages come and go, come and go, uh, but part of that's due to, to the orbit of the, uh, it's a combination of uh, several things, the orbit of the Earth, uh, the distance of the Earth, it's an orbital uh, variation that sets this natural thing back and forth, and uh, so, yes, that's been natural back and forth, but we've added uh, to that natural variability. Uh, which has put, put us over the edge, and, uh, and that's why we're seeing the, the climate, you know, the overall temperature of the Earth at least warming, and uh, that's where we're going to get into some trouble. Unless, and we have, you know, like I keep saying, we, we have the technologies to prevent this, but we have to move into these technologies uh, away from fossil fuels, and there's a huge lobby that wants to keep us on fossil fuels, and there's a, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, lobby dollars in that direction, but... Uh, this new e- uh, economy is really going to be the great thing for greatest thing for us in the Midwest. And the faster we move into that, the better off we're going to be. You want to take a call from your sister? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Mary. Hey. Uh, Mary. Hey, Willie. Hi, Mary. Um, I want to challenge you though on one aspect. Yeah. Um, is it that you really believe that we should be moving away from um, this uh, population idea of of having more than one child? No, I'm not, not really saying that. I mean, I'm not making any judgment on, uh, uh, you know, you can have eight children. If you take care of those children, those children would be, you know, it's really, I mean, personally, to me, it's how you raise your children. I'm not making any, any type of judgment about a large family. I come from a big family. Am I eavesdropping on a family deal here? <laughs> how was Christmas this year, Steegers? <laughs> yeah, good. No, no. We get Mary, Mary, you've brought up something I'm unaware of. Yeah. Well, he, he, he just, he was talking about that. He brought up the population issue that... It appears that this seems to be a problem with this global warming idea. Well, Will, I've always said, and I've 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 said it uh, I've said it offhandedly. Uh, it seems to me that that, that the true believers, uh, what they really essentially would like to get rid of, are people. I'm uh, not accusing you of that. I don't I don't have any knowledge of your view of the human race. No, you know, I, Joe, I I work day and night on this with hundreds and th- or thousands of people. That's that's not the that that's not from where uh, you know I come from or from anybody that I know of. I mean, there's uh, maybe some people out there that are, are against people, but uh, but you know it's 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 a huge population boom. Uh, you know, along with energy, uh, it's sustainable. You know, how are you going to sustain it? And uh, mm-hmm. maybe we can support maybe a large population if we get you know into the renewables, uh, and then everybody can be happy. Is that it, Mary? You betcha. All right, thank you. Oh. You want to take another call, Will? Sure, sure, yeah. Mitch, go ahead. Well, 
I was just going to ask Mr. Uh, Steger what he thought about the polar caps on Mars melting. I don't think that's caused from CO2 or man, unless, of course, you think the uh, Mars rover with its uh, electric engine is causing it. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't really make a statement on that. Mars is a totally different uh, planet, different atmosphere. and um, but, well, but it is melting. Yeah, it's probably, I, I have no idea. I, I couldn't really judge on that. Maybe well, the sun's uh, getting hotter. Uh, I don't think so. The, the radiation of the sun, the, the very natural variability of that, it, uh, wouldn't cause this type of a warm-up. Uh, Actually, it could. Well, let's agree that there could be uh, there could be a reasonable scientific argument about whether it could or could not. Let's leave it at that. Will, what uh, what got you first interested in this? What what turned the corner for you? In '86, for example, you said you you weren't even able to detect this. What what turned the corner for you? It was, it was, uh, Joe, it was in the, when, I, when I went to Antarctica in '89, '90, we crossed did this long trip across Antarctica. Uh, and I started researching that at that time in 80, uh, 87. Uh, scientists were telling me about what they were observing, uh, these rapid changes in, in Antarctica. And we crossed what was called the Larsen Ice Shelf, mm-hmm. huge ice shelf. And when that thing collapsed into the ocean, that was uh, a real wake-up call. But, you know, I've seen the signs. Uh, uh, I'm probably one of the only eyewitnesses in these polar regions that nobody goes into. But I've seen, I've seen firsthand what's what's really happening up there in, in, in the North Pole. And, you know, it's, it's really quite alarming. It's quite alarming to see the summer sea ice melting off. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, the, the scientists project that uh, 2040 the sea ice is going to disappear, along with that the polar bears, the walrus, or any type of species that live on that ice. Well, what if you could wave a magic wand tomorrow and all lifestyles throughout the world changed overnight? What, and, and what if this still kept happening? Well, you know, it probably, uh, a large degree, some of it will keep happening, because like I said, it's accumulative. We have a, uh, CO2 is in the atmosphere for 200 years, but we can probably stave off, uh, you know, the greatest dangers, of, of which is the losing the summer sea ice, uh, the ice shelves around Antarctica, if those collapse into the ocean. We have a serious problem. So we want to really try to prevent the, uh, the, that ice caps and the ice shelves from disintegrating like this, causing a real catastrophe. But... Um, you know, the vision for what the future looks like, you know, I don't think our lifestyle, uh, uh, you may think that uh, we're, we're going to infringe on people's rights or something, but you're just looking at doing things smarter, you know, uh, driving cars, uh, having cars at least available to us that get, uh, you know, 100 miles to a gallon, something that's going to save us a tremendous amount of money. Well, then you're into hydrogen fuel cells, something like that. Yeah, that's probably 15 years down the line, but we have to look right now at what we have. We, we can make improvements on the combustion engine, and we have the Prius-type, battery-type electric cars that are coming online. Uh, we need to really push in that technology. I mean, GM is a good example of where you didn't want to go. They, they didn't invest in future technologies, and I don't know if you'd want to buy their stock right now. And uh, you look at the other side that, that really invested in that technology. Is G- GM right now is working furiously to develop hydrogen fuel cells. Yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do hydrogen, and I, and I hope they can get you know, right at the immediate market so we don't lose one-third of our you know, people in America that are going to be uh, laid off here in another year. Uh, we, I hope they can get, uh, turn this around so we can start you know, uh, increasing our economy around this. Britt, would you like to speak to Will Steger? Yeah, um, I just wanted to say that I thought, you know, what he's doing is, is, a, is a great idea because we can't deny that we, we have a, an issue with it. If not the atmosphere, you know, we're running out of these, these fuels in general, and who wants to rely on, you know, Saudi Arabia forever, you know? 
So, I mean, but I, I mainly uh, the reason I called was because it, it, it kind of sounded to me that Mitch was getting a little bit upset with the idea and a smart comment about the, you know, the moon rover on Mars. And it just, I think that the fanatics, when, you know, you hear fanatics sounding like they want to do away with people, I think it's that they want to do away with the uh, rotten attitude and the idiocy that comes with the idea that we don't need to change what we're doing. Mm hmm you know, we're, we are getting bigger, and the population is getting so much larger that we do have to find a way to sustain it. And what we're doing right now isn't necessarily going to function when, you know, the population increases two times more as it, it, it's going to do. What are you driving right now? A uh, company car. Well, what is it? It's a it's Pontiac Vibe. Oh, okay. All right, th <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean, we all drive. Uh, there's, you know, in in the story about you, Will, over the weekend, you know, you were shaking your head. You you get all these people that show up, uh, but then it seems to uh, it seems to worry you that they they all get back in their SUVs to go home. Well, right now, how else are they supposed to get to a site to hear you? I mean, I, I don't know if I, how worried I get about it, but we're on we're on the transition. You know, we we all some of us have bigger cars. Uh, we bought cars when prices were. Some of us choose the big drive bigger cars mm -hmm. and pay the price. I mean, that's the American way. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're, all, we're in a transition now, and what I'm saying is that we, we need to foster these new technologies. We need to really think sh uh, sharper in, the, in those directions. And, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of in between ice flows right now. And uh, as time goes on, we know we'll, we'll make better choices because we'll have uh, choices, you know, we have more options of these choices to be made. Tell me real quickly tomorrow your itinerary. How, how do you literally get to where you're going? Yeah, I, I'm leaving for the Arctic, and um, we uh, I fly basically there. It's a three-day trip. Uh, I'm meeting with uh, the you know with the Eskimo hunters and making sure that everything is uh, all set up there, and and, uh, and then I come back, and then on our, I should mention also on our expedition, we also offset our carbon, which in other words we figure out how much carbon we use on our air flights and so forth. And uh, we either invest in wind power or whatever that might be. We're making a decision on that right now. So, you know, just me traveling, I'm burning carbon. You know, that's that's, and we all travel, we all fly. Yeah, and, I forgive you. Like like we were <laughs> like we were just talking, you know, before. You know, we're, we're in this transition, and uh, but we are making an effort. You know, uh, first of all, to travel as little as we can, but but we do offset our our, our carbon emissions. Uh, uh, for all of our travel, including all of our car travel that we make. Can I uh, can I keep you to the bottom of this hour? Sure. All right, I'm going to put you back on hold. We have a break. Will Steger is on the line with us. And now a man who's never met a flashlight he didn't like, Joe Suchere. Hey, Will, how close did you ever get to a polar bear? Uh, very close. Yeah, we've been stalked by bears before, you know, probably 20 yards. Yeah. Oh. And a rookie wants me to ask you this, and, and Will, you got to know he's a little off center. <laughs> he wants to know who who carries the plastic bags to pick up all the dog crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've had that trouble before. Yeah. You know what? I think you can just leave it up there. Yeah, that's what uh, we, I've been asked that question before. What do we do with the crap? And I said, probably by city inspectors. <laughs> leave it, leave it in place. Will, when you went down the river with your brother, what were you? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yes. What kind of boat and motor was it? I got an email. It was a it was a new Evinrude forty horse. It was yeah. the first year they ever had that out. It was a I think a fourteen or sixteen foot glass bar. Oh yeah, all right. Uh, and uh, I traded in many old boats. I started boating when I was twelve and caddied and cut lawns and you know you did it that way. Where'd you caddy? Uh, Minnesota Valley. Okay. Hey, you were born in Matamidi. Yeah, yes, it was. The whole family there? Yeah, we were. Uh, we uh, my 
my both parents, their, their parents were from Matamidae. My, my mother's father was a uh, farmer. He was pioneered that area. Really? Then, then we moved to Richfield in 1950, and then uh, we had a total, of, I mentioned before, nine kids in the family. What was your mom's name? Margaret. No, no, last name. Oh, Shivsky. Shivsky? Yeah, uh, Polish. Oh, I, I grew up in Matamidae, and I know oh. the Shivsky name very well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the farm there, that farm right outside, right by the high school. That was where she was raised. I'll be darned. And you know what? I'm getting a notation here that according to the Star Tribune article, in 1960 there were 5,000 polar bears, and the estimate for this year is 25,000. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, I'm not sure if that's, that's totally right, but what, what's happening on the polar bear population, um, they rely on the, the sea ice, you know, uh, frozen ice on the ocean, which is you know, two feet to maybe eight feet at the most thick. They hunt seals on that, so without that sea ice, they can't survive. They can't survive on land like a grizzly. So what we're seeing with global warming, uh, that summer sea ice is disappearing. We've lost about a third of it. Uh, the only real bear population where it's dropping off right now are the population in uh, you know Churchill, Manitoba, just north of us. Uh, but it's but it's starting to affect uh, the other population. I mean, once the, the sea ice disappears, the that population then disappears too. Are polar bears as nasty as grizzlies? No, you know they're not. They're, you know, uh, a white bear is. You can't trust even a black bear. I mean, right. that's part of it. But the white bear's problem is they're curious. They'll mm-hmm. come into camp, start knocking around dogs, you know, tents. They're not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I found with the grizzly or the brown bear to be really just mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I always carry, whenever I'm in, a, in bear country, I always have a gun. So mm-hmm. I, I never, I'm never worried about bears. I don't think much of them as long as, you know, we have a gun that's right. handy. Yeah, one more question for you. Uh, go ahead, Bob. You're on with Will Steger. Hi, Joe. Father Bob calling. Uh, you know, back this summer, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that was cited by John Newhouse in First Things about population. And one of the, you know, one of the projections for the northern hemisphere is we're going to see a serious population decline in the next hundred years. You know, we have a birth rate of about in in between the United States and Western Europe, 1.2 to 1.9 per couple. Right. And we're not going to be able to sustain a population at that rate. China is going to be even more seriously in decline. Uh, the greatest growth rate is going to be happening in the southern hemisphere. Right. Uh, and it seems like most of our, our uh, 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 constructive criticism uh, for global warming is, is focused in the northern hemisphere. If we're going to look at population declines and industrial declines, we're going to start focusing on the southern hemisphere as well. Uh, I want to hear what Will has to say about that. I'll yeah. hang up and listen. Yeah, that's that's me. We that's very true. The uh, what you said. I think on the statistics on the, but what, what we're looking at here, though, uh, population or whatever direction it's going to go here, uh, we just have to look at a at a better and a more economical way of of using our energy. You know, it's a matter of burning our fossil fuels more efficiently, cleaner, so far. So we can sustain a larger or a smaller population without putting the carbon dioxide pollution into the air, warming the atmosphere, which is going to you know, really change everything for us. So um, I look at it, uh, I don't blame totally uh, population, but I, I look at more technology. We need to really get with the new technologies here. We've got to develop this technology uh, in America, get on the ball here, and we can sell that technology to China and India. They're, they're graduating hundreds of thousands of engineers, scientists a year to grab this global market where we're sitting on our heels here, and this is really, a, I think it's a real American entrepreneurial type of a challenge. It's much easier than putting a person on the moon. Uh, we, we can take this market, and we, and we should be taking it and selling that, this technology to the rest of the world. Maybe you do me a favor? Yeah. 
When you get back home up north, will you keep your eye out for old wood boats for me? Yeah, I will. Yeah, right. I, I love wood boats. Well, Joe, what's the chance of, of uh, getting together in the studio when I get back in June? A very good chance. You just okay. call us, we'll make the arrangements, and you come in. Okay. Especially if you get closer than 20 feet to a polar bear. Yeah. Open, open line. You can smell their breath. Yeah. <laughs> will, good luck to you. Well, thanks, Joe, for having me on the and show. And please contact us when you return. I will. I will for sure. Thanks, All right, Joe. thank you. Yeah. Garage Logic will be back in a moment. Here in the AM 1500 KSTP newsroom is the John Height News Experience Action Force Team 1500. Thank you, Joe. It is sunny and 12 degrees. This news brought to you by Central Lexus Dealers. In the wake of the Bonnie Blaskotchek situation, the city of Minneapolis cracking down on sex in the fire department. An investigation found the former chief had several lesbian relationships with other firefighters and was accused of favoritism and retaliation. The new city policy forbids the chief assistant chiefs, and certain deputy chiefs from having sex with other firefighters at all. <laughs> Apparently, battalion chiefs can have sex with other firefighters, but when they're on 24-hour shifts, they shouldn't work together. I see guys turning down promotions. <laughs> the new rules will allow Blaskacek, who's been demoted to captain, to keep her current girlfriend, who is also a captain. It would take me a little, yeah. little bit of time to get it up. Scientists at the University of Minnesota have announced a breakthrough in stem cell research. Researchers successfully used adult stem cells to replace the immune systems and bone marrow of mice. That could lead eventually to new therapies for people and help increase the supply of cells available for bone marrow transplant patients. They marked Martin Luther King's birthday in Phoenix today. An estimated 1,500 people turning out to march in honor of the late civil rights leader. Deja Good, a high school student, walked the two-mile route with her family. It's a tradition for us to come down and march because my grandparents marched with them back in the day and Jesse Jackson. Here in Minnesota, the vice chairwoman of the NAACP says America is still waiting for Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream to come true. At the 17th annual MLK Breakfast in Minneapolis, Rosalind Brock's income, education, and health care gaps between whites and blacks persist. And the U.S. commander in Iraq says he thinks President Bush's new plan for Iraq can work, but General George Casey says it could be months before any significant results are seen. As with any plan, there are no guarantees of success, and it's not going to happen overnight. But with sustained political support and the concentrated efforts on all sides, uh, I believe that this plan can work. Casey says he expects to see results by this fall. Well, that was good of Will Steger to join us. I just tried to read the story again as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. If Will Steger is most specifically a proponent of... New and improved technologies mm-hmm. that he is. This, I'm taking this from our conversation with him. I, I detect that he is. If he is a proponent of these new technologies because he believes them to be vital to economic growth, I took that from the conversation, then he was poorly served in this newspaper article. The, the newspaper article reduced him to an Al Gore cliché. And I found him to be entirely more reasonable than you would have expected him to be reading this newspaper article. Yes. The newspaper uh, article was, uh, I am going to paint a portrait of the burdened, weary, 
uh, explorer who was crying out f- for the earth, even down to the point where look at this crummy car he drives. And I'm, I'm telling you, I know the way writing works. The the, the sensibility was uh, that was anticipated there was uh, there, here here trods a virtuous soul, you know, and the banged up laptop uh, in the backpack. Yeah, and 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 nowhere in here. There's one sentence about energy-efficient light bulbs in here. Now, either Steger poorly uh, broadcast his message to the writer or, or the writer ignored it. It's one of the two. I don't know. But in other words, there's really, there's, you really can't hang a wacko description on a guy who in 40 minutes – suggested to garage logicians that I'll tell you what folks I'm basically a campaigner for clean entrepreneurial cost effective economic growth viable new energy sources okay well, so am I right right <laughs> yeah I don't I don't share uh I don't share a will's uh, I haven't seen what he's seen in the world, but I don't. I don't particularly uh, have the convictions that he has that that uh, humans have brought about this impending doom uh, over the last 100 years. That just still does not. I'm not. I'm never going to deny the statistical evidence that average mean temperature has risen, uh, but I've, I'm not disturbed by that. It's it's too. It's too implausible for me to think that human beings have wrecked a planet the size of Earth in a hundred years. It just it just doesn't work with me. Right. Andy gave some European credit. Europe to, doesn't work. Right. With me. Right. I've been to Europe. Uh, I I don't want any, uh, I don't want any of their environmental causes. I've seen I've seen their environment and it's horrible. You could throw a coin in the River Tiber and you could watch it. It wouldn't even sink. No ripple. <laughs> God almighty. It's just, I mean, just the basics are bad in Europe. The rivers are crummy and they stink and we're, we're, we're way ahead of the world. Okay, so if, if Will Steger is a guy who's, you know what he should do? Hmm. He, he should really, uh, he, he should get the economic backing. He should, he should pick a technology that he would that he would particularly wish to champion and he should uh put together an investment group and say look I'm I'm a pretty credible spokesman for this thing uh you guys put in the 25 billion and I'll be your I'll be the rainmaker I'll be your front man and we'll uh you know we're going to we'll whatever it is I'm just being facetious you know we're going to make cars run on maple syrup and I'm convinced that's going to help the earth and I'll be your guy cuz that'll be a really a breakthrough economic entrepreneurial cutting edge technology whatever he chooses whether it's ethanol or hydrogen or electricity or whatever but none of that comes off in this piece this piece was just a what what the writer I think wanted to be a flattering portrait of a euphorian, and he comes off as a much sounder guy than that, didn't he? Stable. He's much more stable yes. than the Star Tribune was capable of capturing. You would have thought from that that if you were to talk to him and, and disagree, that's what. Well, and in I your face. Well, and I wanted I wanted. That's why I'm so glad he called. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better to hear him than yep. to sit here and. 
and, and reach my own conclusions. And the conclusion I've reached is Steger is a true believer in new economic models of new technologies. Well, okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Steger drives a 1993 Toyota because he is a big believer in used cars that get reasonable mileage. That would have sent a greater message. Because I, too, am a used car guy. I've been converted. You can get really neat cars and let somebody else pay the seventy-five grand for them. Mm-hmm. You come along about three or four years later, they're down into about the thirty range. Great bargain. Hello, hello, <laughs> ding ding! I've seen the light. <laughs> Took me a while. <laughs> I can't wait till uh, he gets back. We'll have him in. What the heck? Well, now that you know, I mean. From what you read before, you well, I don't know if we could have him up. But you, know, you know, I, 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 I apologize. I have not mentioned the reporter because I have no personal axe to grind with the reporter. But I do find it an interesting look at. I hate to say this because I could be wrong, but I'm probably not. I, I just it really gives pause to the institutional energy at work in many of America's big city newspapers. Hey, let's do a big, they're called takeouts. They used to be called takeouts, meaning there were such long stories, apparently you'd take them out of the paper. I don't know. Hey, let's do a big takeout on Will Steger. And and the institutional mindset was, great, the burdened polar explorer who fears for the loss of the ice flows. You know, He used to bring a, uh, a sled, now he brings a boat. And you know what? The guy's message, and this could be a problem Steger's having, I don't know, but his message is he's, a, he's an advocate of, of entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial bringing about of different fuel technologies. What, that's, I, I can't imagine there's a GLer listening who, A, would, would find fault with that position on, on, on Steger's part. Uh, and B uh, would uh, would not agree uh, to the uh, uh, to the uh, to the agreeable nature of accepting new, cleaner, and better technologies. There's not a GLer out there who could reject that message. Um, now, I will say this: he he's he's still in the. Uh, He's still in the apostle stage where he has nothing concrete to offer. That's why I was saying, you know, maybe a way for him to go would be pick a particular technology that he truly believes in and just champion that. It, it, this, this running around uh, to churches and rotary clubs is, is great, and he's a, he's a believer, and this is what mm-hmm. he wants to do. But basically, he's telling people to recycle and buy light bulbs. And as I said to him, uh, Will, I can't get over the disconnect between uh, buying light bulbs and the imminent collapse of, of polar ice caps. It, it just it doesn't work for me. Uh, and I understand that, you know, this will take some time for this to happen, if in fact it ever would, and... I understand that you have to start someplace. I, I understand all of that. Uh, but it has been my experience, it has been my observation that everyone I know, uh, 
pretty much is instinctively a conservationist to begin with. I mean, GLers are right. last droppers. GLers are people who don't want to run the snowblower with the choke a third out, and I got to get to the bottom of that. GLers recycle. GLers take care and properly maintain equipment. GLers don't waste. I mean, we're we're already doing these things. So if a guy like Steger wants to convert masses of people, it's got to be more than I'm a I'm a I'm a lonely wanderer with my beat up maps and and my beat up laptop and my beat up uh, backpack going around to anyone who will have me because I think he's probably got something better that he might be able to uh, he might be able to sell. Are you ready for a focused, targeted investment strategy to deal with this upcoming market volatility? If you are, give me a call at 952-925-5608. I'm Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. I'll give you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. If you sit down with me for a 48-minute, no-obligation consultation to review your portfolio with volatility continuing in this marketplace over the next year you owe it to yourself to sit down with mr money talk do give me a call at 952-925-5608 you always get straight talk not sugar-coated advice that's 952-925-5608 investment advisor services offered by josh arnold investment consultant llc a registered advisor in the state of minnesota past performance is no guarantee of future results all investments involve risk uh, you know, I hate to tell you this, but uh, well, the doomsday clock is getting closer to midnight. Tick, tick, tick. Mm-hmm. Shannon. Hi. Can you uh, settle a bet, an etiquette bet? Sure. <laughs> um, my husband wanted to break out the new snowblower at about quarter to five this morning, but didn't because it was too. he thought it was too early for the neighbors, and I thought, hey, snow is snow. you got to get rid of it when you got to get rid of it. What's the etiquette on firing up those cylinders so early? That's that's preposterously too early. <laughs> but it was a new snowblower. So he what? To... <laughs> he, he was like a kid at Christmas. He wanted to fire that out. Okay. Well, well, wait a minute. He wanted to do it at 5? Yeah. And you said no. No, I said yes. He, he thought it was too early. He's right. Okay. <laughs> you lose the bet. <laughs> okay. All right. Congratulations Thank on you. the new Bye. cylinders. Yeah. The keepers of the doomsday, well, isn't 5 a.m., I mean. Uh, somebody was 6.15 in our neighborhood, and I thought. I think that's mm, too early. That might be a little too early. 7 o'clock. On a weekday? Yeah. Eh, I suppose. Yeah, you got to get to work, that kind of stuff. Weekend, I'd go 8. Right. Let it know. sit for a little bit. Well, it coffee, ain't going go anywhere. <laughs> you know, it's only January 15th. Does that include shoveling? <laughs> The keepers of the doomsday clock will likely move its hands forward next Wednesday to reflect what they call worsening worsening nuclear and climate threats. The symbolic clock maintained by a magazine called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists is currently set at seven minutes to midnight with midnight marking global catastrophe. The group plans to publicly adjust the clock this Wednesday. Though the group has not specifically said so, all indications are they will move the clock hands closer to midnight. 
This major new step reflects growing concerns about a second nuclear age marked by grave threats, including nuclear ambitions in Iran and North Korea, unsecured nuclear materials in Russia and elsewhere, the continuing launch-ready status of 2,000 of the 25,000 nuclear weapons held by the U.S. and Russia, escalating terrorism and new pressure from climate change for expanded civilian nuclear power that could increase proliferation risks, said a news release from the group. The clock was last pushed forward by two minutes to seven minutes to midnight in 02 amid concerns about the proliferation of nuclear, biological, and other weapons and threat of terrorism. When the clock was first created by the magazine staff in 1947, it was initially set at seven minutes to midnight and has been moved 17 times since then. It was as close as two minutes to midnight in 1953 following U.S. and Soviet hydrogen bomb tests, and as far away as 17 minutes to midnight in 1991 after the superpowers reached agreement on nuclear arms reduction. Boy, that would be a downer place to work, wouldn't it? I'll say. The doomsday uh, clock room? <laughs> I mean, every day, it's, uh, you really don't have a lot to look forward to, do you? I see a lot of just, mm, the break room doesn't seem very uplifting. I mean, I just see some guys with the worn-out pocket protectors and the bad haircuts, and they're thinking, you know, we got to shove this thing closer to the end. It's, it's almost over. Things we, to do, the checklist. Even the news release is bleak. Who gets to write this? Fred, it's your turn. Oh, man, I wrote the one in 1960. Come on. No, we got to have a big. We got to announce this to the public. Every day we come in here, and we we worry about doom. We got some new stuff. <laughs> what a lousy way oh, to make a living! No, thank you. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And then at school, if well, you what think, does your dad do? Uh, he's with the. Uh, <laughs> he's he a, doesn't want to tell. He's a. <laughs> he's a gay porn star. <laughs> Really? No, he's no, with the Doom people, but I can't think of anything. <laughs> oh, no. Gee whiz. Plus, if you think all this atomic stuff is so doomsful, why would you be an atomic scientist? <laughs> oh, what? I wonder if they got black robes. Oh, I mean, I'm what? Sure this, is, just this is not good. Shift changes. Hey, how you shift doing, Shift change. Harry? Yeah, the coffee's not very good Still today. <laughs> Remember, don't smoke in here. <laughs> oh, well, I on second thought you might as well. We're pushing the clock closer to midnight. Good it's luck. looking bad. This is the talk station. Taking garage logic to the nation, here's Joe Suchere. Little hornet's nest was dusted up here. Little hornet's nest. Uh oh. What's the hornet's nest? Bird flu coming. No. Yeah. Really? Sorry. I feel like I'm at the. Can't help it. Back in the news. Bird flu. Feel like you're working at Doomsday. (laughs) (laughs) Better move the clock in. I don't know when I'm stuck in. Bird flu. (laughs) And time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down to San Antonio. Oh. That one hits you, doesn't it? 
The deadly H5N1 strain of avian influenza is making a resurgence in Asia and could easily spread to Europe again this year. I forgot to tell Will Steger that the U.N. climate panel said cows cause more atmospheric harm than humans. We'll tell him next time. Yeah. Uh, uh, This is the alarm. Four deaths in Indonesia. First human case in China in six months. And new poultry outbreaks in Vietnam. We are convinced that we're in a repeat of last year and the year before when the virus got active. Yeah. <laughs> so look out for that. By the way. So you know what? Tell the guy at the Doomsday Clock Department that one. Send your emails there. I wonder if they factor in blue, bird flu at the Doomsday Division. I don't know. I don't want to. I think know they're the looking for real doom, like uh, you know, the big one going on. Okay. Asteroids coming by us or. Tsunami, something like that. Big stuff. Yeah. Doom. But even a tsunami, you can be fooled by. It's coming or is it not coming? I'll tell you what, they get those hands uh, about one minute, too. I'm buying cigs. <laughs> Break glass, smoke luckies. Reach in there and get a pack. Ooh. LSMFT, lucky strike means fine tobacco. Toasted. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, hold it like that. You know. It's a German uh, It's the way... <laughs> Who drives the train? Buddy. 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 You hold it like this. <laughs> yes. Buddy also smokes while he's driving the train. <laughs> Difficult to talk that way. Well, hey, what about no, me? No, that's Buck. No. Who's that? And Anna what? Wilhoit writes, Now, normally I would agree with you on what time is too early to snow blow if this was, let's say, mowing the lawn, but you are way off here. I have to leave no later than 6 a.m. to get to my job in Edina by 7 a.m. If I didn't have our 2500 Chevy, I would have had the hubby out there snow blowing at 4 a.m. to get our very long driveway clear for me to get to work on time. Please keep in mind, not all of us get to sleep in each morning like the mayor. I don't sleep in each morning. How is that? Early. How has that myth been perpetuated? I heard the neighbors out snowblowing when I went out to feed the animals at 5 a.m., and I thought that was a pretty good idea. We got about 8 inches last night. I don't care what the weatherman says. Okay, hey, lady, Anna, I would, I, obviously she's in a rural area. Right, long driveway. Yeah, the tip-off is to feed the animals. Feed the animals. Long driveway in a rural area, I would imagine. Who cares when you do it? Right. She whiz. are far enough away. Plus, if wherever you are, it takes you an hour to get to Edina, leaving at 6 a.m. when there would be reasonably modest traffic, you're way out there somewhere, lady. Go ahead and snow blow at 2 a.m. I don't care. Yeah, plus the mayor, Jeez. he doesn't sleep in. He's up before 10. I'm up before 10. <laughs> and Jim Lostrom writes, he says, GLers know the rule. It's the 789 rule. What's uh seven on weekdays, eight on Saturday, nine on Sunday? Okay, yeah, seven, yeah. eight, nine rule. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think in an urban area. Yeah. For Anna out in you know, banjo town or wherever she is, <laughs> as soon as you hear the banjo, you can do the snowblower. She whiz. It's not, uh, you know, who are we writing this for? Who are we writing this for? Extra, extra, oh, read all about God it. Almighty. What? Who are they writing this for? Whom? Whom? Oh. 
I didn't pay. No. Oh. Oh. Whom are we? I don't like the way that sounds. Whom are we? Well, this is for? a piece in the Pioneer Press today. The recovery strategy. If holiday shopping crushed your budget, here are ten tips for getting back on track. This is a piece out of the Detroit News. What, so, are, these, what are tips? Okay, you overspent at Christmas. So you spent too much at Christmas, huh? Yeah. See. And then, so who are we writing this for? Well, you, the plane lands from Mars. You just got off. <laughs> they say. And they said, overspent. we spent too much. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Oh, we got the piece for you. Right here. We, right. So we filed it away for you Martians. Uh, I, and I always pick Martians because I'm of that era. The little people I see are Martians. We were uh, driving in the car yesterday, and the term Martian came up, and my kids said they didn't like it. And we tried to explain to them way back when Martians were extraterrestrials. Oh, yeah. Now, that's as far as it went. Well, their number one tip is to sell your gift cards. What? Yeah. Extra, extra, hey, here's hey. my gift card. I guess you just find somebody to <laughs> sell it to, I guess. Hey, buddy, you want to buy a gift card? Hey, I got a couple. <laughs> With the trench coat. Number two, sell stuff on eBay. Boy, I, I just, would it be worth the effort? Who would want my junk? Well, they say sell your unwanted gifts on eBay. Oh, your gifts? Yeah. Regifting your gifts that you just got. Plan for sales. Uh, in other words, here. They're, like a date and sale. Well, they, this is a tip for people in debt, so they're telling you, January's a good time to buy sheets and towels. <laughs> You're so far in debt, you might as well have some nice sheets. And by the time you get to March, you can buy spring clothing and wedding gifts. April, you can buy wedding gowns. In May, are gifts for mom. In June, for dad. In July, summer clothing and shoes. These are all the sales. And the, and the reason we overspent or we're, we're overspent is because thought, we overspent. I thought we were trying to help people not buy stuff. Yeah, right. Number four, this is a tip if you've overspent. Trimming the fat. Watch a movie. Why? Uh, oh, maybe so you're not going out. Will Smith's current flick, The Pursuit of Happiness, will have you thinking twice about spending $5 on a latte. You can't help but ponder how you'd fare for months without a paycheck and how much we take for granted. I saw that movie. Did you like it? I did. I haven't seen that yet. I did. I, I think that he pulled it off without without uh, the, Too much? without the cliches. Okay. I, I think he pulled it off. Mm-hmm. You know the story? I do know the story. It's a real story, right? Yeah. A stockbroker. What what was the the gist of it? He goes in for a job. This the guy played by Will Smith uh, is selling some sort of medical device that looks like Ding Ding, the medical computer, <laughs> and he's not getting anywhere. And the wife splits, but he's really determined to not let his kid down. And this is all done without really slipping into anything maudlin or cliche. That's okay. what I liked about it. And. Uh, he uh, he lands as a uh, as an intern in a stock brokerage, and then ends up. Uh, I don't know. In real life, the guy's a gazillionaire or something. You know? Th- that's what I had. Without seeing it, I had trouble with how does he get into the stock place and become this mastermind stock. Well, he he was a, he's a he was just a hustling, well-spoken, energetic, good guy and he fought his way into the stock firm and then obviously uh was able to parlay all his contacts into buying stuff. I don't care. Okay. Number 5, track your spending. Mm-hmm. Write it all down. Yeah. 
Well, I'm not going to. So. <laughs> Number six, ditch the plastic. No, I mean, I'm not, you know, here they say every $2 soda and vending machine snack adds up. For at least one full month, track every penny you spend. No, I'm not going to do that. I think there's other I'd find that boring. Yeah, there's other stuff you could do with your time. I, I mean, if I don't have any money, I'm not going to buy a soda. Drink water. No. Plus, you know, they say, well, use the uh, Excel spreadsheet. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So you got to have your computer that you just bought from Dell or iApple or whatever. They spend more money trying to get the... Number six, ditch the plastic. If you have a credit card balance larger than your checking account, it's time to cut up the plastic. I, I, I've often thought that. Mm. I don't like... I got one credit card, but I cut them up when they come in the mail. Mm-hmm. I got one. No, I know how to use it. <laughs> you get frequent flyer miles. Oh, see, the key well, there. You never can use them. No, but, a lot of blackout dates. But uh, I use them sometimes. <laughs> Number seven, stay busy. Stay busy you're in because debt. you're tracking. You're in debt. Yeah, don't go out shopping in January like preferred. Well, to they're early. saying finish that scrapbook or uh, you know volunteer at the soup kitchen. You know, you got a lot of spare time take since that, you're not that, shopping anymore. Sure, go and spend about four hundred bucks a month to take that tap dancing class you've always wanted to take. <laughs> God Almighty! I thought we were trying to help people who were in debt. Yeah, that's what they said. Trimming the fat. Number eight: buy nothing for a day. That doesn't work. Well, you can get through a day without Yeah, buying I mean, that's anything. not a big deal. I'll buy it tomorrow. Right. I'll gladly pay you today for a hamburger tomorrow. Yeah, if you want tomorrow. to get over, if you want to get uh, through the day, you can just Who said that? Tomorrow. I'll gladly pay you today for a hamburger tomorrow. So that was I'll wimpy. gladly pay you tomorrow Tuesday. for a hamburger today. You pay you Tuesday for that a hamburger wimpy? today. Wimpy? Wimpy on uh, Popeye. Buy nothing for a day. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I never saw him pay anybody either. No. Did you ever see the movie Popeye? I like Popeye. My kids like that. With uh, it was Shelley pretty Duvall, good. Robin it was, Williams. It was pretty good, wasn't yeah, it? I thought it was all right. Years ago now, isn't it? And I think it's odd that you like that. You've referenced that before over the years. Well, that, I just uh, thought it was done well. It's an okay movie. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll watch it again. Number nine. I'll come over and watch no. it. No. By the way. No, we're not going to. Uh, what? Movies? Thanks for stiffing me at the ice bar, Friday. That was an honor. My car didn't start. What about Angie? What was her problem? She couldn't start it either. Height's problem. My my car won't start either. In all honesty, I will say Johnny Height, in his defense, he did want to go, and I said, uh, you know what, it's late. He's probably not even there. Stayed an hour and 20 minutes. We figured you had left maybe after 20 minutes of us not being Boy, there. Boy, it's cold in there, too. How are the, I uh, have my how the snow bunnies? I have my mittens on. Snow bunnies? Eh, they didn't pay any attention to me. No. <laughs> See, that's a, in a full disclosure, that's another reason we didn't meet up with you. Why? Was, well, we know that you were really hot on seeing that that night. You uh, wanted it right away. Bing, bang, boom. The leather jacket We figured on. Let's, let's, let's plan it better another night. Well, I thought so we we'll planned it pretty you. good. You guys said you were going to go. No, it was hastily put yeah, together. Yeah, my car, yeah, just didn't start. It starts now. Yeah, so yeah well, we'll you know what? Get time. a better car then. <laughs> Rusted out see, if there, see if I ask you guys I to go I can't. I spent too much oh. at Christmas. Ooh, don't throw us in the... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, you mean you won't ask us anymore? <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Number six, trim the fat. No, number oh. six was ditch the plastic. Oh, yeah, ditch the plastic. 
Number nine. Don't go to uh, pricey bars downtown. There you go. See? Well, I was going to buy, though. You guys missed that part. Yeah. You know. It was all right. I was going to buy with plastic. <laughs> Ice cold plastic. I had a cold credit card. Mm-hmm. Number nine, save more. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it, you can't spend it. Mm. So start funneling more into savings. But these are extremely generic tips, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Who are we writing this for? Who would read that and, and implement all of the tips? Hey, you get to number nine, you know, and you think, well, <laughs> that never occurred to me before. Yeah, save more. Hello. Boy, look at this. 20 bucks a week. By the end of the year, you'll have socked away $1,000. Huh? Then you can use that to go in debt next Christmas. Yeah, but when it gets to be about 600 you'll be thinking, hmm, I really could use that six right now. Number 10, pack a lunch. Mm-hmm. Eating at a sit-down restaurant, fast food place, or even in the workplace cafeteria adds up. Let's say you spend 7 bucks a day on lunch, five days a week. That's 140 a month. It's a big lunch. Just packing one lunch a week can save 28 bucks a month or more than 300 a year. Plus, you'll likely consume fewer calories than a packed lu- with a packed lunch than at, say, an all-you-can-eat buffet. Hmm. Well, I agree with that. Who, yeah. who goes to lunch and pigs out at an all-you-can-eat buffet? You go home now. You eat too much. Go. <laughs> 14 trip here, too much. You pig. Go back to work. Fall asleep there. I like a nice salad from the cafe. Yeah. It's a couple bucks. Why were we just in a Vietnamese restaurant? Uh, there's a comedian that, he's a big chubby comedian that is part of his routine. That the that he goes to the Chinese buffet and the guy kicks him out because he, he eats so much. Go, go away. Home you go much. home now. He said he likes to go into Chinese buffets and just see him sweat it out when he walks through the door. I've never been in a bu- all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, years I got ago. news for you. Yeah. I got news for you. Yeah. I never will either. A Chinese buffet? None. Any oh, kind. some good ones down here. I've been into one down here on University when the whole staff, oddly enough, you weren't invited again. <laughs> Wait a minute. This was a whole staff deal? <laughs> what was ago, this? I don't even remember. Somebody must have been leaving or somebody, maybe, was, I don't know what was going on, but I don't know, about 20 of them went to lunch and I tagged, I had assumed you were invited. It was when we were here on University. We came here in July of 99. Yes. Well, okay. Been, uh, You're corroborating that. Yes. Oh, you go home now. Yes. <laughs> oh, eat many too. I don't know why we excluded you. Isn't eat that, too many egg rolls. That's terrible. Well, it's okay because I'm not a buffet person. Well, it would have been fun to, to have you come along, though, just to say that to us and then be surprised where we went. I, I don't like the concept. You can get some good food. I'm sure you can. I'll tell you what, I've never eaten at this place, but the place across from the Highland Theater, that lunch buffet. Don't uh, know it. It's the Chinese, it's between Highland Grill and the alley. Willowgate? It's no longer Willowgate, it's Cleveland Walk. I've never been in there, but at lunch and dinner. We used to get food from the Willowgate all the time. It was delicious, but now it's changed ownership, and and now they just have buffets, and you can't get in the door. You know where I was last night, and I hadn't been there in 25 years? I'd like to know. Cecil's. Oh, Cecil's is a charming restaurant. The Leventhal's own that. Well, how many? It's a genuine deli, isn't it? Genuine yes. Jewish deli. Yes. Are there even? What was the famous one in Minneapolis? The Lincoln Dell. Lincoln Dell. Is yeah. that still in existence? No, that's the uh, Walzer GM dealership. You're kidding? No, Walzer Buick Pontiac GMC. Man, I had a Reuben. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Ooh, I bet it was good. Mm-mm-mm-mm. 
Mm. Get the lean corned beef. I don't. I didn't season. go to get the lean corned beef. No. I had a Reuben with whatever corned beef they put in it. Uh huh. Mister mm-hmm. Slim Watch. <laughs> hey, make mine lean. I... No, I just mean you pay a little bit extra for it, but it, I think it's a better cut. Well, this was very good. I haven't been there in ages, and I tell you what, there was a spot on my table that was there twenty five years ago. <laughs> Nothing you know, has changed in that room. <laughs> Nothing. That's why it's a genuine yeah. deli. Nothing has changed no, in there. No, very kosher. The whole, it's uh, its wonderful. The same crummy plastic tube of, uh, of mustard, <laughs> you know. Must- yeah. And yeah. nothing has changed. And the guy you know, the working table- behind the counter, you know, he's. Yeah. You know, missing a couple of digits. The tables, I think, are arranged the same way they were. It's the same chairs. Everything. Yep. They put it into the food, not to the... Uh... And they, they must do well, huh? Oh, there's another one that you can't, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, there's a line to get in there. Was it a hot or cold sandwich? You can get them hot, too. Well, Reuben's are hot. Okay. You know. And uh, the CP sees a guy that she thought was the priest she had seen earlier in the weekend? Yes. So she goes up to him and says, hey, weren't you the priest at, at Mass the other day? And I looked at her. I said, you're in a bleeping deli. <laughs> the guy says, heavens no. <laughs> Mazel tov. Mazel tov. And heavens no. He says, heavens no. I said, what did you think? Oh. You're in a deli. Oh, heavens Oh, that's funny. Well, what are you going to do? Dave Dahl. All right. And now, Garage Logic Sports with Patrick Royce, your source for twins information. But you had a call. Well, it's wild. So what? Where's Pat? I'm here. I am joined by Ron Gardenhire, Pat Neshek, and Glenn Perkins. Gardy, aren't you happy you don't coach or manage a sport where players get mad because they're copying your dance? <laughs> aren't, yeah. you, aren't you glad you don't have to worry about a sport that they're, uh, that your guy who was popped for steroid use was disrespected because they did his dance at midfield. <laughs> Which one are we talking about? Sean Merriman. Uh, these Chargers are mad because the Patriots mimic Sean Marion's dance oh. after he gets a sack. <laughs> Baseball's got a lot going for it, and that would be among the <laughs> yes, things it has no, going for it. We don't worry about mimicking each other's dances. It no, is. They, uh, would, they would have to mimic Mike Redmond naked in our clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would want to see that. Do you have the red dog on the circuit? This is he uh, with the group this time? Uh, I don't or? think so. I don't think. I think he's coming in for Twins Fest, but I don't okay. think he made the caravan. Where have they uh, had you, gentlemen? Here, I, I'm glad you said that. I finally figured out the uh, the computer, and I want to announce this so people in uh, listening areas can attend. <laughs> now, uh, Gardy uh, will be in Little Falls. Tomorrow, along with pitching coach Rick Anderson, Pat Neshek, and Glenn Perkins, Jack Morris will be Brainerd only. And Tuesday, that's the north leg. Tuesday, that's tomorrow, Little Falls and Brainerd. Wednesday, Aiken, Hibbing, and Grand Rapids. Thursday, Ely and Duluth. Then there's a northwest leg 
When all you get's Dick Brimmer. <laughs> no, 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 I know you. <laughs> Brimmer and the boys had uh, 450 people at Fergus last night. Yeah, I, heard. I heard. Now you get Brimmer, crowd. you get Joe Nathan, Nick Punto, and Tony Oliva. Tonight, they're in, uh, or today they were in Wapaton, North Dakota, Fergus Falls, and Fargo, North Dakota. Tomorrow, Valley City, North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and Detroit Lakes. Wednesday, Thief River, Faustin, and Bemidji. And Thursday, Park Rapids, Long Prairie, Sauk Center, St. Cloud. Then you've got the southeast leg. That's uh, Michael Kadire, Monday through Wednesday. Jack Morris, Mankato only. Mike Redmond, he is on the tour. Oh, there it is. Jesse Crane and uh, Dan Gladden. And that's today. They're Minneapolis-St. Paul Metro, Hastings and Red Wing. Tomorrow, so, Preston, Whitewater State Park, La Crosse, Wisconsin, and Winona. Wednesday, Albert Lee, Mason City, Iowa. Austin and Thursday, Owatonna, Cass and Manorville, LeSueur, Mankato. I am now deciding to do this. Anybody who wants to participate in the uh, Twins Caravan or see the guys coming through your area, mm-hmm. go to the website. Hey, it just occurred to me there's too much more to read Hey, here. Gardy, have you guys been out yet? Yeah, we went. We started out this morning, Patrick. We went uh, over to the university uh, there in Roseville, and then uh, I think we went to Dillette Hospital. We went to the History Museum and uh, a Dodge dealership here in town, and then uh, tonight we've got the big uh, hot stove. Big, over in uh, Oakdale. Yeah. Big uh, crowds already, I'm hearing, out there for the caravanners. So Yeah, it's pretty good. Actually, they're pretty excited. At the History, mm-hmm. history Museum, it was wall-to-wall. It was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Pat, is, this is, is an the, ancient tradition, isn't it? Oh, man, I think it goes back to the first year. I think it, it does, guys? too, yeah. Yep, absolutely. I, in fact, you look through the years, virtually everyone that we've ever heard of who played for the Twins has been out amongst them. So mm-hmm. uh, my favorite story still, however, is when... Uh, Tony Oliva had uh, Ron Davis out on the tour out in South Dakota and uh, went to stop and see his old aunt, and she chased Davis off the porch with her cane. Because <laughs> she was see, upset at the way he pitched that yeah, at the end of the year. Yeah. See, Pat Neshek, that's what happens when relief pitchers go to hell. <laughs> Time to throw in the deal. <laughs> that used to be a saying way before Pat and Glenn were up with the club, but it used to be the saying, you threw in the Davis. <laughs> Instead of throwing in the towel, you threw in the Davis because Ron Davis had a really tough stretch there yes, for a while. Yes, he did. Say, did you see where Coach Feely died? Yes, I did. One of the all, all-time great Americans. St. Thomas basketball yeah. coach forever. Had many, many victories, many titles. He's in five different halls of fame. I saw him every week this summer. Really? At, uh, at church. I saw uh-huh. him every week this summer. And he fell down in October, and I guess uh, he died of uh, complications from that fall at, what, age 87 now, yeah. I guess? Ron, the, uh, the Twins have had two managers in 20 years. St. Thomas has had two men's basketball coaches in 52 Holy years. Cow. That's pretty Feely, good. 25, and then Steve Fritz, who played for Feely, has coached the last 27 years over there. Feely, uh, way back when, had his son play point guard for him, Pat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whenever they played the Johnnies, and Pat Feely had the ball. The entire rat hall at St. John's would chant, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> He'd pass the ball, the place would go silent. 
penalty, he'd get the ball back, they'd go, Daddy, Daddy. Oh, it was great tormenting going on back then. <laughs> Pat, there's 3.3 seconds left at Detroit, 79-79, Timberwolves and Pistons, and I think I'm in a room with some fellows who have a particular investment reason to be paying well, attention I here. think one thing that happens on the uh, Twins Caravan is there are a few wagers on sports events, right. if I'm not Gordo mistaken. Gordo puts together a pool, right? Yeah, Gordo, and it's Gordo's pool with his magic ink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he somehow wins it. Some of the Absolutely. Juice. Somehow wins it. Absolutely. Now, has uh, young Mr. Perkins been explaining to you how he deserves to be in the rotation on this uh, trip? Or Go not? ahead, Patrick. Start it on up. <laughs> <laughs> Perk, tell him. No, I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. I don't, I don't want to incriminate myself. That doesn't help us on radio, though, when you guys are keeping your mouth shut. No, I, uh, I'm looking forward to spring training and, uh, you know, having a chance and, um, you know, preparing myself uh, for whatever might happen. That's good. That manager likes to hear that. That's Absolutely. good. When That's do good pitchers and catchers show up? 19th, I think, first workout's the 20th. I think we have a meeting the 19th with the staff, and then first workout, I believe, is the 20th. Isn't that correct? Months away. Yep, close, close. Nishak this morning. Nishak told me this morning on our first event, he said first time they asked him about first time he got the ball and he dropped on me. He got out there, really didn't know where the ball was going to go when he was throwing it, but he felt really good on the mound. This is the big <laughs> leagues. <now. laughs> you don't tell me stuff like that. <laughs> Were you pleased with the football results? I don't know. Those guys probably all had bets. Uh, I was rooting for the Saints, so as long as they won, I was happy. Randy Bush's team, the uh, Saints, win. So uh, Saints go to Chicago in the early game Sunday, mm-hmm. and New England goes to Indianapolis for the late game. And par- poor Marty Schottenheimer, 14-2, and two, and everybody says he's going to get fired yeah. because they lost that game yesterday. So Damn coaches. It's a tough profession, I'll tell you that. It is a tough profession. Pretty nice 49-yard field goal by the Gould kid in Chicago. Yeah, he just whacked her right through there, didn't he? Is Rex Grossman, I failed to see why everybody's on his case. Yeah, I thought he played a pretty good game. Yeah, I don't know, Joe. I like a quarterback when a guy's running across the middle of the field, you yeah. throw it in front of him instead of off his left shoulder. Yeah. All you right. Know, he always throws the ball <laughs> behind the guy. Tom Brady throws it out in front of guys. He always throws it behind the guy, so they got to stop and wait for it. That's what I don't like about him. But he was better than he has been, that's for sure. Say goodbye to the fellas. All right, see you fellas in Florida. All right, Patrick. And uh, we'll talk to you in the next half hour. Here now in his Channel 5 Weather Center is Dave Dunn.